Welcome to Sound Off. The Sound Off host is Brad Bennett, who has served this country as a Marine Corps sergeant during the Vietnam War and has served this community as a three-term member of the Duluth School Board. Now, Sound Off and let your voice be heard. Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, good Thursday morning, everybody. Uh, we are uh, we're here on a Thursday. Uh, Going to be a regular show, and we're enjoying that. And I got to tell you, do you trust the government? That's the question uh, we got to ask today. And what parts of the government do you trust? What parts don't you? I'm looking at a survey here this morning that just came out that says 55% of U.S. adults said that they trust the public health institutions to manage a potential future pandemic uh, considering how the COVID-19 crisis was handled. In other words, just barely over half of Americans think that the U.S. government did a very good job of handling the COVID-19 crisis. And part of that is because most everything that we're finding that the government was pushing during that period of time has come out that it doesn't mean a hill of beans. Wear masks. Uh, wrong. Not that Not that important. Uh, you know, you got to have this. You got to do that. Stay away from people. Keep your kids out of school. Teach them online. They'll do just well. They'll do really good uh, on a uh, computer, sitting in front of a computer. But you got to wan- monitor them. You got to, well, a lot of kids never even checked in, ne- never even went to the computer. And now we're finding out that it was, Probably the biggest uh, input into mental health issues with children of anything that we've had in a long time. So we trust our government. Not really. Just barely o- over half trust us to handle another uh, another e- epidemic. I'm wondering, I'm going to throw out a couple of things here for people uh, to comment on today. Uh, TikTok yesterday came out and said that they're going to, uh, they, they realize that, uh, <clears throat> that evidently their their um, website their their uh, TikTok you know stuff that happens on the internet is uh, is some can be looked at as maybe disturbing to ch- to children so they're going to put their own sixty minute soft cap on daily screen time for users under eighteen and a hard cap meaning it's going to be shut off completely for users under 13. Well, first of all, I'm a little dismayed that some Chinese uh, organization uh, like TikTok that is owned and controlled by the Chinese uh, happens to know the age of our children. They know whether our kids are 13 or whether they're 18 or what. Where do they get all this information and why do they have it? And why are we letting them have it? And then we have to ask the question, will Minnesota follow other states that have banned TikTok on state phones completely. In other words, on government phones, a lot of states have just banned it completely. And the military has banned it completely to have on any uh, on any phone that you're taking onto a military base because they found out simply by accident that uh, TikTok could look in on, a, on any military member's phone and see where they were, what they were doing on any mil- military installation, and that's probably not a really good thing. But, you know, we're pretty liberal in this country, and we pretty much allow just about anything to happen. So uh, we're going to see how that goes. Um, 
There, there are all of a sudden, according to statistics that are out this morning, Kenny, there are more and more, and to our listeners, there are more and more farmers markets in Minnesota has reached a record high. In other words, more and more farmers are starting to reach out and sell their own products uh, and doing it uh, here in Minnesota. According to uh, farmers markets and local Ford net, for food networks aren't new to Minnesota, but the movement gained momentum during the pandemic and a partnership of more than 40 organizations hopes to capitalize on that grassroots cause and gr- and growth. Now, we don't have to worry about that here in Duluth. We got Bob Olin and the original uh, farmers market that uh, that we talk about on a regular basis. Lots of local farmers grow and sell products r- right here. But uh, the local food movement comes out of the pandemic uh, thing, really took root. Kathy Zeman, executive director of the Minnesota Farmers Market Association, said, we've re- we've just reached 362 farmers markets in the state of Minnesota. That's a lot of that's a lot of farmers markets in a state our size. It's the highest number of farmers markets we've ever recorded in the state of Minnesota. There has also been growth in online connections between farmers and consumers. In other words, a lot of farmers are doing this kind of thing. They're raising cattle, they're raising pigs, they're raising sheep, and they're doing it holistically. They're doing it grain-fed, not feeding it full of hormones, not doing anything like that. We got a farmer just outside of Esco that grows bison and sells bison burgers and bison steaks. And and he sells them not through a retail store, through the Internet. You can look them up on the Internet. You can call and order, and he'll prepare your order for you. You want uh, 40 pounds of bison burgers uh, ground up. You want uh, steaks. You want loins. You want whatever. You can order them that way. And more and more people are starting to do that. And I guess maybe that's going to be the wave of the future. But farmers markets especially because people want to see their produce growing locally. They want to know who grew it, how they were growing it. Uh, did they have migrant workers stomping through the through the fields urinating on the cabbage and on the tomatoes while they were going about their picking duties or whatever. So more and more Minnesota farmers are now selling their products at uh, farmers markets. Well, before we get into our first break here, I want to ask the question, how long do you think the uh, war in uh, Ukraine will go on? You know, when it when it started up, I was, a, first of all, I was one of those skeptics. I didn't even really think it would start. I thought the Russians were beating their chest and they were moving troops up to the uh, uh, up to the uh, perimeter or right up to the Ukrainian border simply to put pressure on Ukraine to cave and to let them take over a government or whatever. I didn't think they would actually invade. But now that they've invaded and now that they've been in Ukraine destroying the country from end to end for more than a year, how long is it going to last? Well, according to the Ukrainians' top uh, military, um, I guess you'd call them the military snoop and poop guy, the uh, military intelligence guys, this guy is uh, named Major General Kyrol Budanov. Budanov. He forecasts, uh, has made a forecast amid considerable uncertainty about what the next phase of the war will look like as it moves into its second year. 
He supposedly has done a lot of behind-the-lines military snooping and pooping. He's actually a uh, uh, a military intelligence officer, the t- the highest one with the Ukrainian government. And supposedly he has gone behind the scenes numerous times. He says the Russians, the Russians have wasted huge amounts of human resources, armaments, and materials. Its economy and the productions are not able to cover those losses. And he says that if uh, if the Russians don't push this thing and win it within the next six months to a year, uh, they will be uh, out of military tools to achieve its war aims by the end of the spring. And when he says military tools, he means armaments, uh, weapons, tanks, uh, uh, whatever else the Russians are using. Uh, they're burning them up faster than, than they can uh, put them up to the front lines. He says, especially with office with military personnel, he says that they uh, they no longer have a sufficient quantity of skilled, organized, and motivated soldiers. And he said, that makes it very tough when you send up a bunch of conscripts to the front lines that don't want to be there in the first place. It makes it very difficult for them to be motivated to stand up and fight against a motivated army like the Ukrainians. Anyway, folks, we're going to take our first break here of the morning. Uh, This is the Thursday edition of Sound Off right here on 610 KDAL, and we'll be back shortly. KDAL time is 11.23. Sunshine, 21 degrees. John Bon Jovi having a birthday today. He's only 61 years old, Brad. He's a young pup. Yeah, he's he's pretty young. But uh, I think uh, you're going to enjoy this or at least find this interesting. He was born in Perth, Amboy, New Jersey. uh, John Francis Bon Jovi Jr., uh, son of two former Marines. Really? Barber John Francis Bon Jovi Sr. and Playboy Bunny turned florist Carol Sharkey. You gotta be kidding me. So his mom and dad were both Marines. One is a barber and the other one was a Playboy Bunny? (laughs) Turned florist, yes. Uh, His father was of Italian. Uh, The name Bon Jovi comes from uh, uh, Sicily. And he's also of Slavic ancestry, and his mother is of German and Russian descent. Wow. He has stated that he is a blood relative of singer Frank Sinatra. Really? However. Now, that's really impressive. However, in a 2016 interview, he proved that this was false and that he is not a blood relative of Frank Sinatra. He was raised a Catholic. He spent his summers in Erie, PA. With his grandparents, sold newspapers, and uh, goes on and on here. But yeah, both his parents were Marines. Kind of cool. Interesting. So in other words, I bet you he had a fairly disciplined uh, childhood growing up. Yeah, I would think so. I would would you wonder how a guy would come out and end up in music and uh, yeah, you know yeah. stuff like that. But so, it does happen. So I mean, Brad. Look at me. <laughs> exactly. We've got to mention it. You haven't asked me yet. 
Did we reach how's the weather? Did we reach one? 100 inches yesterday? Yes, did you? Did well, Brad? I am under the impression we did from what I see, but you can clarify that. Did we, we needed 6.7 inches to reach 100 inches on the season so far. Yes. And Brad, and? I am sad to announce that we came up a half an inch short. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Half an inch. 99.5 is where we stand. Yesterday's snowfall officially at the National Weather Service in Duluth. Six point Come on, Mother Nature. Six. What kind of joke is that? <laughs> I know. 6.2 inches. And the sad thing is there were other areas of Duluth that saw nine and a half inches. Here's another observer. Whoa. Eight inches. I, I I had six plus where I'm at. So... I don't know, but uh, boy, it... So, it, in other words, there were parts that got it, but officially at the weather service, where the numbers, they did not get it. Yeah, yeah, so we're standing at 99 and a half inches. <laughs> oh, my God. What's, uh, what's the long-term, uh, the next four or five days, the rest of the week? Any snow in the forecast? Well, there's some, yeah, actually, uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday night, next Monday, uh, there is a chance of snow, and they're not really saying anything about the severity of it yet. But let's enjoy All today. Right. We're going to see some sunshine today. We're going to see a high of, uh, well, in the upper 20s, and then tomorrow we're going to see uh, mostly cloudy, but we might get up to the mid-30s. Stay tuned for that. Saturday looks nice, partly sunny, 38. Are you ready to call a 40 on Saturday? So we'll see. Yeah, when I talked to one of my sons last night, he said uh, he was getting ready to go back out, him and his wife both, getting ready to go back out and shovel. And I said, so you you did get a fair amount. He said, oh, yeah, we, oh, we yeah. got shovelable snow, no yes. doubt about it. I do appreciate the neighbor that has the snow blower that comes by. Uh, we really do appreciate that. And I got a young kid coming by now, and I had a, the young kid yeah, shoveling. Yeah, you got a... Yeah. You got a guy. I got a guy. You got a guy. Yeah, and I'm not going to say anything. Not going to tell you his name. Not going to give you his phone number. It's my no, secret. No, because you don't want to overwork the guy. Right. Yeah, he's right. your guy, not not somebody else's. You guy. know, it's funny. He was there doing that, and uh, he's like 14 years old, I think. And uh, I had to go down to Quick Trip to get some milk, so I went down and I saw him walking along, and I said, uh, "Hey, I know you." And he goes, "Oh, hi." I said, uh, "You still shoveling?" He goes, "No, I'm going to Quick Trip to spend my money." <laughs> <laughs> He was just a block away, so he was good to go. But uh, hey, we've got other good weather stats. I'll share them for later because uh, there's a lot there to get to. But yeah, so yeah. six point two yesterday, Brad. We're ninety nine and a half inches on the season. Say, uh, as we move along this morning, especially in this first hour, I would love to hear from people. Uh, you know, you can call into the show by simply giving us a call at two one eight seven two two zero eight. Three nine. That's zero eight three nine seven two two zero eight three nine. I would like to hear what you think is going to happen. Well, first of all, the Russians. If you follow this story, and according to everything I read in this story from this Major General Kyrol Budanov, he's actually a fairly credible individual. He's made some predictions, some forecasts uh, about what was going to happen in the war up till now, and he's been almost spot on with every single one of them. So my question is, well, first of all, we don't hear much of anything about protests coming from Russia. In other words, either parents or family or friends or anything of of, um, military members killed. And yet we're hearing that the Russians may have lost over 100,000 men already. Because the Ukrainians are saying that they've lost almost that many, that they've lost under 100,000, but they've lost a great deal of manpower. 
So with all this killing going on, and with this uh, General Kairola uh, Budnava saying, hey, the, the, the Russians, if they keep doing what they're doing, they're going to waste and spend all of their armaments to a point that they're not going to have military tools to continue on with the fight. Now, number one, that tells me that the possible discussion with China about providing uh, military arms and equipment might be very accurate. It might be to a point, uh, well, this Budanov, uh, or Bud, Budanov, yeah, says they've been burning up uh, armament, and he says especially artillery and missiles. He said they've been just shooting them like crazy, burning them, burning them up at an unbelievable rate to the point where they may, may have to go into their supplies of held older ammunition. In other words, these are uh, maybe ammunition that were left over from the Afghan war that they were involved in before America was there. It might be even leftover stuff from World War II, things that are starting to decay, things that maybe aren't uh, very dependable, but they may have to start to go into uh, take stuff out of storage. In other words, uh, other ammunitions, or they're going to be out of time. Then the other question that comes up is, are the people of Russia really standing up behind uh, Vladimir Putin? Are they are they supporting him? Because there's I have another report out this morning that Finland is starting to spend a tremendous amount of money to build a fence between Finland and Russia. And the reason for it is not to keep the Russian military out, because they know offense, even with the Constantina wire and everything else, probably wouldn't keep them out. But they say they need something to keep Russians out that are running away from Russia. They said over the last uh, couple of weekends, especially, they have had thousands and thousands of Russians fleeing across the Russian border to get away from the Russian government, either so that they can't be conscripted into the military or they just want to get away from the whole political yeah, nature of what's yeah. going on there. Well, here's the yeah. solution, Brad. Put them on a boat, bring them to Mexico, and then just have them come to the U.S. through the southern border. Yeah, just say walk yeah. across that border there, yeah. go into America. Yeah. You can get food stamps. Yep. We'll put you on housing, yep. get you Medicare, all kinds yes, of Yes, and just show them where to go into Texas. And then Texans, well, the people in Texas, will put them on buses and then bring them to New York, Washington, D.C. And ship them to Chicago yeah. or yep. wherever. Yep. Yep. You know, isn't it amazing, though, that Finland can spend, I think they said in this story, I'll dig it out, I think it's like $390 million Jeez. to put this fence up along the border. And yet, uh, you know, you talk about a fence to control the uh, the uncontrollable illegal immigrant population coming across our borders, and Biden thinks you're nuts, thinks you're some kind of conspiracy whack job. Yeah, well, I got to tell you too, Brad. There is a story that's on a variety of news uh, sources. Uh, USO and NATO are risking a catastrophic clash of nuclear powers with their yeah, involvement the in the Ukraine yeah. war, according to Russia. Now, this is uh, a Russian deputy foreign minister, um, and he told told the conference in disarmament in Geneva that the most acute strategic threat is posed now by the U.S. and NATO. <laughs> well, this uh, this same guy I'm talking about this morning that wrote this about Russia running out of military tools, he does say in this story that uh, 
presently, he said, it looks to me like uh, uh, like Vladimir Putin will not has has committed himself to not use uh, military or not use nuclear weapons. But he said all bets are off as we go along here. If if this becomes a real uh, stranglehold situation uh, for him with power, Vladimir Putin with power, uh, then we don't know where it's going to go. So anyway, we'll continue to talk. If you want to put your two cents in, please give us a call. We're going to go to our CBS News break, and we'll be back shortly. All right, Northlanders, as you can tell by the music of Dick Dale and the Deltones, it's time for the win of the week, courtesy of our friends over at Solutions Insurance. Here's how this works now. If you've never listened to us before... Solutions Insurance is an all-lines independent agency. You can walk into their agency or you can call them. They would prefer you probably call them first at 218-628-1878 and they will take some information from you. It's called Free Insurance Checkup. We have learned on Thursday after Thursday after Thursday that they can save people a great deal of money. You know, I keep thinking you're going to run out of wins of the week, but why would you? There's got to be a lot of people out there that want to save a little money on their insurance. Well, that's right, Brad, and I'm real excited about the win of the week this week. We can talk about homeowners insurance, and Sonia, the insurance ninja, she knocked it out of the park for someone. So are you on the edge of your seat? You ready to hear about it? I am. I'm ready. (laughs) Well, you know, a lot of the wins of the week, the listeners will know that we talk about situations where... We help new clients come into our agency who were previously insured with some other agent, some other agency, sure. right? But right. one of the things that we spend our days doing, this is on a daily basis, is once we have a new client, as you know, Brad, we don't stop and just say, well, we're going to park you where you're at. Whatever the rates become on your renewals, that's what it's going to be. No, we have reports that we look at on a daily basis, and we monitor behind the scenes what our clients' renewal premiums with the companies that we have them with are going to be. And if they're where they should be, if they're still competitive, then everything's smooth sailing. But as we know, sometimes that doesn't happen and the premiums can take a jump. So then that's what we do is we do that behind-the-scenes insurance shopping within our agency, comparing it with other companies. And when we have a situation where that happens and it takes a jump, then somebody like Sonia, for example, reaches out to the existing client and says, hey, your current company, they took a pretty big increase, but don't worry about it because I've got another company, same coverage or better for less money, so I will help you rewrite to that other company. So that's what she did. This is for an existing client. Sonia saved them $999.41. That'll stay in their pocket. Rather than going to a higher renewal insurance premium, Brad, nine hundred and ninety-nine dollars and forty-one cents. That's on just a homeowner's policy. Now, if you were paying that quarterly, you'd be saving two hundred and forty-nine dollars and seventy-five cents. Or if you were on a monthly payment mode, you'd still be saving eighty-three dollars and twenty-five cents a month. And like Chris just said. The big thing is you'd be able to keep Sonia as your agent, who's probably been doing a great job for you all along. So this is a really good thing, Chris. 
That's right, Brad. And all anyone has to do if they want to have us do that insurance shopping for them and see what we might be able to do for them is give us a call at the 218-628-1878. Fantastic. And they are. They're located right in the Spirit Valley Shopping Center, right by where Kmart used to be. They they have a very nice office right there, lots of parking free right in front. Thanks, Chris. Look forward to these calls every Thursday. I, I, I truly was sitting on the edge of my seat for this one. Thank you. That's good, Brad. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Well, listen, we've got our good friend Tom from Port Wing hanging on the phone. Uh, Tom, what do you think? Is Russia going to hang on? Are, are we going to see uh, are we going to see Putin get to a point where he might feel like he's going to lose control of the country where he might actually use nuclear weapons or is he not that dumb? Well, I guess uh, that one I'm not too sure of, but I'm I'm pretty confident that he's going to pretty much blow up anything and everything in Ukraine, and then they'll yes. probably go to some kind of negotiations where, uh, you know, he's going to make them um, a neutral zone. Yeah, and in the process, there's going to be a lot of dead people and a lot of destroyed country. Well, what a sad Boy. state of affairs that is. But uh, you started out the program with uh, the question, what do you trust government? So I, I, I thought of a few things, you know. I trust this particular government that we have right now to waste the taxpayers' money, i.e. the scamdemic. I trust them to not defend the border. I trust them to get us involved in a conflict like uh, Russia, Ukraine, that we may not be able to extricate ourselves from. Uh, I trust them to encourage laziness amongst the citizenry because free student loans, free this, free that. I trust them to teach our children not to trust their own parents. I trust this administration to promote abortion, and I trust them to view the patriotic citizenry as their number one enemy. And, and, you know, you might say, well, that's kind of a cynical view, but I consider it a realistic view of how I feel about this particular government that we have. They are not acting in the best interest of this country or the people. All you have to do is, if you're a parent, look at the way this administration handled parents bringing up questions at school board meetings about what they were teaching their children. Instead of saying... Well, what 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 don't you like about uh, the program we have? And uh, let's talk about it. No, they instead went and said, you know what? Maybe we'll have to let the FBI know because I think you're starting to act like a uh, like a, a a terrorist organization. I think you're uh, threatening us, and we may have to have the FBI uh, uh, look at your background, find out what's going on here. I mean, our yeah, government you know- obviously doesn't trust us. I will remind people that this particular president in the campaign said transsexualism is the is the the constitutional issue of our time. You know, as if it's 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 something that uh, you know we should really drop everything else for, and uh, you know, and if parents don't agree with it, well, that's their problem. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just one, one of the many things. While well, I'm sitting here, you know, thinking of all these different, I could have another 
list uh, just as easily. It's it's horrific. Every issue that we're facing, they seem to be on the opposite side of the normal people. And that's why I think if Nikki Haley's going to uh, try and become president, she better stick to that one. I don't know exactly how it goes, but it's basically you've got a choice between sane and insane. And yes, they're on the yes. insane side, and we're and on she's the sane side of things. She's got to stick with that one. You're absolutely right. Well, listen, we got to take our Minnesota news break. Thank you, Tom. We're going to continue to talk about this when we come back after the Minnesota news, but we'll be right back. KDAL time is 11.55. We still have sunshine in the Twin Ports, 25 degrees at the Army Corps of Engineers, and the wind is very light out of the northeast, about two miles an hour. Well, listen, I, I don't know if we're going to have enough time today, Kenny, in the next couple of hours, plus what's a few minutes left of this one, to discuss how this whole thing is going down in this country. But let me just try to set the mood for the next couple of hours. First of all, I think there's a couple of things going on in this country. We have a them and us mentality. And as Nikki Haley said, there's the crazies and there's the rest. And uh, the government, a lot of times in this country right now, the government is the crazies. And they work in conjunction a lot of times with the mainstream media to create emphasis and ideas that turn out to be crazy. For example, if you look at uh, a number of things that that we were told were right-wing conspiracy theories, you know, Russian and and Russia and Trump collusion. That was, uh, you know, the Russian collusion. Uh, Russia was working with Trump in collusion to overthrow the government. Uh, That's a left-wing hoax. Uh, That turned out to be true, that uh, that it was a hoax. There was no collusion between Russia and Trump. How about Hunter's laptop cover-up? Media said it didn't exist. There was nothing in it. There was no big deal. Turns out there was a lot in it, and it was a big deal. And that was also true, even though mainstream media said there was nothing there. Mainstream media and a lot of the uh, liberal uh, Democrats have said, you know, there's nothing wrong with our border. Our border's closed. Our border is not closed. We have an open border crisis. How about the Wuhan lab? We were told that's a conspiracy theory. That didn't come from Wuhan, from a lab where they were working on things. It actually was a bat that dropped dung on a a piece of live meat somewhere, and that immediately exploded all over the world. No, now it's proven, and now even the FBI is saying, yeah, looks like it did come out of the Wuhan lab. And we were told that the thing that's going to take care of us in COVID-19 is if we lock ourselves down, if we wear masks, and if we don't go to work and we keep our kids at home. All of those basically have been proven to be untrue. But they were all backed by the media as what was right. So I think what we've got going here, and a lot of it is pushed and conjived and shoved down our throat by the public school system. They're the ones that are preaching and spreading a lot of this nonsense instead of educating kids. And when we come back with next hour, I'm going to start off by showing you exactly what is happening in education in this country. Because a new report has just come out um, about public schools. Uh, the, uh, the 
and it's amazing how few kids are actually learning at the grade level that they're at. So when we come back for uh, hour number two, let's talk about maybe we've got a socialistic approach in this country where segments of our society and segments of our media are trying to push socialism on us, where we're all just one big happy family. And it all starts with public education. We'll be back 